You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. that welcome all the clapping it makes me feel just like it does when I walk on the football field (laughs) also just to let you know uh, not only I have accomplished those things but I'm also an ordained pastor that's the other thing that I am and I have been for um, and uh, it was always interesting people would ask me my job and I would say that uh, you know, NFL referee and pastor. I said, I will always tell people, I'm the only full-time pastor in the country with 22 Sundays off a year, you know? <laughs> so it, uh, it was always interesting. I want to share a story before we get started. I didn't tell the first session this, but it, it just comes to my mind here where <clears throat> we were working a championship game a few years ago with the Packers and the Eagles, and uh, Coach Reed called me during the week and asked if I'd be willing to do the devotion for the team. It's always an honor to be involved when you're uh, asked to be a part of that. And fortunately for me, as my role, a lot of the teams knew that, and so they, they'd use me for those kinds of things. And so that morning uh, before the game, we was at 4 o'clock kickoff, and uh, so they had the, the, the devotion about 9 o'clock that morning. They don't force the teams to do it. They provide a Protestant service and a Catholic mass, and the teams know about it. They can attend if they want to. They don't have to. We were at the Philadelphia Marriott, and the team was staying there as well. So anyway, we're in a hotel banquet kind of room, small, very much smaller than this, and 53-man roster for the team, and so you never know who's going to show up, you know, that morning, but they announced that I would be doing the devotion. So that morning, as the the players came in, one by one, out of the 53-man roster, 48 of the players were in there, came to the devotion that morning. And um, so I brought a message that morning on uh, living up to your helmet emblem, which was the eagle, the traits of the eagle in the Bible and what God calls us to soar high and to live above what others think and be a hero off the field as well as a hero on the field. They're really challenging the men to live that way. And, and um, so we get done with this service and the game kicks off later that afternoon and and so we're going, it's about the second quarter for Donovan McNabb, who was in the front row, front and center in my deal there. He runs to my left, runs to my right, dives at the front stake, and we go to replay because we, we rule him short, and he, they think he's made the first down. So it's a TV timeout. We punch out for timeout. And anyway, I'm standing over the football in the middle of the field where we ruled him down at, and um, so I'm the only one out there. It's just me in the field, and 90,000 people, and we're in commercial, and Donovan McNabb comes from the sideline over right to me, and I see him coming. He puts his arm around me. He says, Pastor, what was that third point you had this morning in the message about the eagle? And I thought to myself, you know, here he is in a championship game, uh, and they're wondering if we're going to get a first down, and what's on his mind is a trait of God at that point. I thought that was really amazing. And I, there were other things that kind of went through my mind as after I talked about that because, you know, as pastors, we t- sometimes get focused on how many attend our church. 
How many did you have in attendance this week, Pastor? Oh, we had 300. Oh, wonderful. How many did you have, Pastor? I had over 1,000. Oh, that's terrific. How many did you have in your service? 3,000. Oh, they just think that is wonderful. The Lord's moving in a mighty way. They'd come to me and they'd say, Steve, how many did you have in your service? I had 48. Oh, brother. <laughs> oh, Lord. Pray for Pastor Steve. And I would say, well, <clears throat> that's okay. I said, how much did you get in your offering plate? You see, I had a million seven in mine. So it, uh, <laughs> uh, I've got the tithing potential in my room. So it, uh, <laughs> well, it's a delight to be with you today. I want to, uh, I, I want to speak very clearly from God's word. I want you to know what a thrill it is to be here at LWC, a church that's alive a church that is growing, a church that's on fire. I've been to churches before where it looks like the first church of the Frigidaire. I'm telling you folks, some are called, a few are chosen, most are cold, the rest are frozen. You know, and, and uh, the devil's taking a nap on the roof because nothing's going on inside. But that's not what's happening here. I see a vibrant church. I'm sure when you come to be a part of this church, we don't issue you a lazy boy recliner. You know, the work isn't done. We've got to get it going. And uh, we need you to make it happen. You see, the, 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 nothing happens up here by itself. And uh, some people, but they learn to speak this Christianese, Pastor. Several times we get people that say to us, well, we ask them to do something in the church. And they go, well, I don't feel led to do it. I say, well, you better get the lead out, friends, and get going. You see, well, I, I'm waiting for God to speak to me. Well, he's already spoken in his word, he was very clear, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say when it feels right or how you bet, you know, if all the stars line up or, or when the babies start to uh, stop messing their diapers in the nursery, that's when I can, uh, you know, do my ministry. We, we, we're ready to go, folks, and, and the time is, is right now. And you might say, well, you know, I'll miss, I, I'll miss the service, you know, but, I'll, but I'll, get the, I'll get the tape. Well, why don't you miss heaven and get the video? You know, guys, we, we, we need you, and we need you today. Got, God's looking for people, and he wants you to be part of that army, and, and, and we, we need to get off and, and, and get rolling. And so today's the day, isn't it, folks? Praise God for a mighty, a mighty Savior. I want to I give you three things to, to begin with that uh, I think are important in every part of our study, every part of our life with with. Uh, what it's like to be a Christian, and I hope today that we'll come away with that. And the first part of it is, I want you to develop a love for God's Word, a true love for you to get into and know more about His Word. How many have a smartphone in the church today? Look at those hands. I see them all. I can tell. You know, you can get a free app on your phone that'll give you 40 versions of the Bible, and it will read it to you. You don't even have to read it. It'll just read it to you. Anything you want, it'll give you great helps. You'll never, ever without the Word of God. I want you to love it as you continue in your fellowship with Him for the rest of your life. The next thing that I want you to do is learn His Word. Too many times I go into churches and people say, well, I know, uh, I know a couple verses of the Bible. Wonderful. Have you been going here a week? No, I've been here 50 years. I say, you know, a couple verses. Uh, friend, we need to know more, don't we? We need to know more about his word, and we need to learn it. We need to pay attention when pastor's preaching, 
and we need to love it. We need to learn it. What do we need to do after that? We need to live it. We need to be living testimonies in our neighborhood. Somebody says, well, what's the Bible like? The best, the best example I can give is you. What's it like? Watch them. They will depict what the life of a Christian is like. You can read it. You can do whatever. But you know what? We can watch it in action. And so that's what I want to c- come away with here today. But I do want to share some, um, some, some stories. How many like to have fun in church? We, too many times we, we, just, uh, we look like we've been baptized in vinegar. And, you know, we, we said, hey, is it joy to know the Lord? I said, let your face know it. Uh, the problem is we're, we're sour, and, and we need to get to where we have a lot more fun when it comes to knowing God's Word. We can invite more people because the joy is here. I mean, we think about this joy that the world has to offer. It's nothing but garbage. It's nothing but uh, degradation. It leads down a dark path, and we want the bright light. Don't we want folks? And that's exactly what we want in our life. So as we focus our attention today on the things, uh, I, first of all, people, I want to just talk a little bit about my life and let you know something about that. People come to me and they say, Steve, how did you get started officiating football? Did you just wake up one day and want to get yelled at? Or how, how does that go anyway? And, and I always tell the story of the, of the rich man who lived outside of Dallas, Texas. And he'd come up on the wrong side of the tracks, but he'd made a difference and he'd made a lot of money and he bought this big sprawling ranch and he invited about 20 young men to come and be a part of uh, this experience on up where he is at. And so these kids came uh, up, and he, he said, guys, I want you to enjoy everything there is on my ranch, everything here, except for my swimming pool. And he filled it with crocodiles and alligators and all that. And he said, you know what? But if any of you have the courage to jump in this pool and battle it all the way to the end with all these animals, I'll promise you one of three things. My daughter's hand in marriage, a million dollars in cash, or a deed to this ranch. Well, he knew none of these kids would have the courage to do that. He turned around, took two steps, and heard a splash. And this young boy battled it all the way to the end of that pool. He got out. He was bloodied. He was bruised. His clothes were torn. He was out of breath. And the rich man said, man, I didn't think anyone would have the kind of courage that you did to do what you just did. But I tell you, my man of my word, what will it be? A million dollars in cash, a deed to this ranch or my daughter's hand in marriage. He said, I just want to know who pushed me in that pool. (laughs) Well, that's how I feel when I walk down the football field for over 500 games in my career, watch 24 Heisman Trophy winners with all the greatest coaches, the Hall of Fame games. I was there when John Elway was inducted in and Barry Sanders. I've seen, seen great games, great players, great everything. And, and I, what I want to do today, folks, is I want to share from God's Word. I want to share with you some of the traits that happen in my game and how can we translate those over from being a super bowl to show you what a super God can do. Because what we're talking about here is how we can, make the, we can bridge the gap. We can show you some things that the God's Word talks about, and maybe we can share these with a friend as well. You know, in God's Word in Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord says, I've got a plan for you. He says, declares the Lord, not to hurt you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and to give you a future. And I think to myself, too many of us, we don't even, if I were to come to you and I said, well, what, what's your plan for life? That's usually the response I get, nothing. Or we're going to go to lunch after church. Do you want to join us? Something like that. And that's all the further we think out down, 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 down our life. 
And we don't have a plan. We don't, we don't have that kind of thing. We know God's word in the book of John, the 10th chapter, it talks about the shepherd. It talks about the, the traits of the shepherd and the traits of the thief that's coming to steal the sheep. It talks about the gate to go in and how the thief comes over the top. And how many of us don't realize that the shepherd is there for us, but we're following the thief. The thief is Satan in our life. He comes to rob, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. Do you live life with abundance? Because most people live life and they barely survive. God said, that's never my design. I gave you a plan not to harm you, but to prosper you. How do we prosper in life? How do we make that happen? How do we bridge that gap? Well, I want to talk to you about some of the things in my game. The National Football League is a huge, huge company out of New York City. It's a building full of attorneys. Now, we don't hold it against attorneys. Do we have any attorneys in the house? Don't see any hands. Good. Anyway... They're the only profession that could take a solution and turn it into a problem. So, but the National Football League is huge. And this year, 30-second commercials are going for $4 million. And they sold them out in 10 minutes. And they could have sold more. Many of the companies said, can we, can we are there any more spots? Can, can, can we buy more? Can we spend more on this game? You know, the town of Glendale gives over that building to the National Football League on, on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. By contract, the city of Glendale does not own the building on that day. Did you know that? The NFL owns the building. That's part of the contract when they built it. And every stadium in the National Football League is the same. When one of their teams comes on site, everybody goes back to zero. You know that, that background check you filled out when you went to work there? It's null and void when the NFL comes on site. They have a different way of doing business. It's a huge, huge business. Cable, cable rights, $25 billion. $25 billion. And the NFL makes no products. Do you realize that? If you're in the manufacturing business, you're you're making these things and you're retooling every year to get a better product. The NFL doesn't do any of that. They just get players from college and send them out. It's a money-making machine. Anybody in here that owns an Arizona Cardinal shirt, a uh, Tampa Bay hat, maybe a New England Patriots uh, underwear, uh, <laughs> Seattle Seahawks shirt, whatever it is, the NFL makes money off of that. Now, they don't make the product. The NFL makes no products. They license them. All they do is go to the mailbox and collect the money. Last year, NFL properties alone, $2 billion in sales. It's a big business. Now, what is it about this business? What is it about this game? Let me tell you about this game. 
the average play in the National Football League lasts about seven seconds. Seven seconds. The average team, you'll watch them, count them the plays if you want to, will run approximately 70 to 80 plays during the game. 80 is a little high, but let's go with 80. 160 total plays in the game next Sunday at seven seconds per play. This game lasts about 20 minutes. And we spent billions of dollars and time and energy on a game. A simple game. What I want to share with you about is eternity today. And how we can take the energy of a Super Bowl and introduce some people to a Super God. A God who can change everything in your life where you can spend eternity. And I've been there 10,000 years as if it were one day. Eternity with the God of heaven. Well, what's it look like? Well, we talked about those verses. Jeremiah, and I've got a plan for you. And John says, look, i got the traits of the shepherd. So look at what the thief is doing. How are you following that? Well, we're going to look into that today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, what a joy it is to be in a place that's alive, that loves you, that wants to serve you, and reach into this vast community and reach others. And Father, today... We just call upon your spirit that it will infill each one of us in this room, that we will go out here supercharged for you in everything that we do and everything that we say, Father, for it's in the matchless name of the Nazarene. Amen. Well, we're going to use the acrostic today plan because God's got a game plan for you. So if you think in terms of just those letters, we're going to take a look at those and see what my game does and how you can turn it into some life lessons as well. So the P stands for preparation. Preparation. I can guarantee you today that the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks will be well prepared for each other this time next week. By this time next week, every play of every game this year will be watched multiple times by the coaching staff of both squads. They will have formed tendencies about their opponent. They will know their opponent better almost than they feel their opponent will know their opponent. They will scout them to know what they do on second down and three when they're in this formation and run that motion across. When they're in shotgun, when they're up against the center, whatever it is, they're going to know everything that they know about their opponent. They will be prepared. They will be ready for everything that brings to them, whether it be special teams, whether it be offensive tendencies or defensive tendencies. When we get in this formation, this is the kind of defense that we want to show them. We want to come into press coverage. We want to drop into cover two. You'll hear those kinds of words, and they all mean something to someone. But in essence, they're being prepared to be successful and to win the game. And that's what it's all about for a simple 20-minute game. They will be prepared. My question to you is, are you prepared for life? Are you prepared for the things that come at you? Do you know your 
opponent very well. Do you know what the devil's all about and what he's doing in your life today? Most of you would say, well, I don't really know, but uh, I don't like him. I don't want to follow him. But how would we know that if I looked at your life? You see, folks, the way you're going to be able to change that is you're going to have to set down some priorities in your life. So the first thing to do when you think about preparing for success is you have to set priorities or goals. You have to say, this is what I want to accomplish later today. This is what I want to accomplish for the Lord this week, this month, this year. This is what I want for my family. This is what I want for my community, my church, whatever that looks like. And you need to write it down. You know, I go into the locker room of the National Football League with my players. I have to certify equipment. That's one of my jobs. One of my jobs is to make sure equipment is, we can, we're, we're legal. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't play with knives and chains and guns on the field. They don't allow it. So we have to look for those things and make sure they're not stuck up their uh, pads or anything like that. But one of the things I do when I come on the field is that I, I have to, or when I go in the locker rooms, I watch the players going through their three-ring binder, their, their uh, spiral-bound notebook, and what they're looking at is goals, things that they want to accomplish this game. I want to rush for this many yards. I want to make this many tackles. When they get into this formation, I need to shift down. I go into a double team. We do this. I chip block here, and I grab the linebacker over here. I go this, I go into press coverage here. I make sure I know that they're going to do this so I get into that part. They're reviewing all of their assignments, making sure that they know exactly what they're doing. They're reviewing their goals. So my challenge is, are you setting some goals in your life? Are you helping your children set goals? You say, well, I don't know how to set goals because I'm not actually doing it in my life. Well, today's the day, folks. Today's the day. I need to invest my life in a different way. As I pause to think of things that set some men apart, it seems to me that goals in life would be the place to start. Imagine playing football in an unmarked field of green, not a goal line to be sought, not a goal post to be seen. It would be an aimless battle where there's nothing to be gained without a thing to strive for, not a score to be attained. Every man must have a purpose in his life, for the flame that warms the soul is an everlasting vision. Every man must have his goal. And so, folks, I'm telling you right now, you want to be successful, you need to set priorities. You need to be into saying, you know what, that habit I've been developing, I need to be accountable to somebody. My language isn't where it needs to be. I need to confess with some guys, help me in that area. And when I'm challenged, I recognize it right away and I ask the Lord, please, God, forgive me for that. Help me to spread that out. And you know what happens? That language, all of a sudden, those words get further and further apart. All of a sudden, you'll say, you know, I went the whole day and didn't swear once. Praise God. Went two days, three, four, five. It becomes something that you develop. It's like a muscle in our body, anything else. But you have to set priorities. And they have to be ones you can reach, ones you can get to, ones you can help and help someone else if they're struggling as well. If you're struggling, get with pastor. Get with the staff trusted member of the church but but you need to begin the process of finding those places in your life that you can begin setting goals and setting things in your life 
You see, folks, that, that's where the real joy comes in life is when we see success in our life, when we see the progress that we make. And so that's what we want to do. We were asked to uh, go to a um, training camp one time. We were to, went to a, uh, we do this each year as referees. We go to a training camp. We were at the San Francisco 49ers training camp. Any 49er fans in here? Well, we'll pray for you later. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but then we talk about the Raiders. Are they even in the NFL? You know, what's going on with that deal? And uh, I told you about the times I've done devotionals with teams. I was asked to do a devotion with the Raiders one time. And the guy that came and I had a good time. We, uh, the, there's only <laughs> one guy. Real nice man, though. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm glad you laughed. That was funny. Anyway, what was I telling you about? Oh, San Francisco. So we go to this 49er camp. And a uh, coach comes over. He says, Steve, Ed, Mark, I want you to do something for me. Take a look at number 89. We just signed him the other day. And uh, tell me what you think when you watch him on the field. And so I'd never had that happen before. So we, we kind of kept our eye on this fellow. And we watched certain things that they were doing. And, and um, he, the kid, they, they did a, a vertical jump test. He, he was the top one in the, in the team. Yeah, I don't know if you know what that is. Stand, jump as high as you can. It's a big test that they do. 40-yard dash in pads. He was the fastest guy on the team. Number one. And uh, then we watched him, we watched the time when he went in the weight room. And the offensive line, they were in there lifting the big hogs, the big boys. Nobody under 300 pounds in that room. Huge guys. And this guy, his name, I'll, his name was Kyle. I'll call him Kyle. Kyle was the kind of guy that when you took his shirt off, you could teach a biology class pointing at the muscle groups. Kind of like Pastor and I. And uh, <laughs> that was not supposed to be funny. <laughs> no, my anorexia is cleared up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> great in shape dude. And he comes over and he's looking at the weight and these offensive linemen. There's, there's a lot of uh, tension between different groups. And they go, what are you looking at? And, oh, I thought I'd just lift a few little bit of weights with you. And they go, well, we're, we're working them now. But if you'd like to, son, you can lift. But we have a rule in here. You can't uh, put any less weight than what's on the, the, be the bench right now. And he looked and he goes, well, there's 385 pounds on the bench right now, and I haven't even warmed up. And they said, well, you want to lift weights or not? Kind of chiding the guy. So he, he gets down on the bench like this. And if you ever bench press before, he's tension packed. He's going like that. He looks over by us and kind of winks, pulls it off, pushes him up 10 pounds, 10 times. Slams it back. He says, now when you get some real weight on there, let me know, guys. And he walked out. <laughs> led the league, or led that team, vertical jump, fastest man on the squad, strength beyond belief, physical capabilities like you can't believe. The next day when they had, or that afternoon and the next day they had um, scrimmages out on the field and we were running plays and, and old Kyle was out there as confused as he could be. Where do I go here? What do I do here? Am I, no, you're in motion. You're on the wrong side. Get over here. And then he runs his pattern. What are you doing? You're supposed to block in there. This is a running play. Constantly being yelled at and screamed at. He just literally messed up every play that he was involved with there on the field. 
and the coach cut him two days later. Why? He refused to read his playbook. And see, folks, it wasn't a priority to him. It wasn't part of his goals. He thought he could get by with his physical strength, with his incredible athletic ability. And you're saying, Steve, I can get by with my good looks. I can get by because I got lots of money. I can get by. I mean, you know God grades on the curve. Doesn't everybody know that? My goodness, I I haven't murdered anybody. Obviously, he's going to take me in. Well, let me tell you, friends, you're in for a rude awakening. God doesn't want to be on your top ten list. He wants to be number one on your list of wants. And folks, again, you have to set your priorities. And they have to be those kinds of things that we can read. What is your goal today? What are you going to do? The next point that I want to do is you lead with expectation. You lead with expectation. You expect great things. I can tell you one thing that's going to happen on Sunday. I can guarantee it. Russell Wilson will not throw a pass to himself. He's got to have a receiver. And he's not going to be doing much of it if those guys aren't blocking up front for him, is he? And I'll tell you, New England's not going to be able to do much of, uh, of stopping him if, if they're not working as a team. And they have to expect great things from themselves. And they have to expect great things of their teammates. And that's what great teams do. You surround yourself with the right people. Now, some of you have surrounded yourself. You can just think of the friends you have and the influence, not only in your life, but, but, but in your children's lives as well. Are they surrounded by the right people that are influencing them today? That doesn't mean they, that they shun people that are necessarily bad, but they're not being influenced by them in the way that maybe we think they are. And too many times we find that in our lives, guys, and it happens with guys. We say, well, it's just a simple joke. You know, I can retell it. Eh, it's a little bit off color, but, you know, you know what? People look, they watch. And you're not leading with a great sense of expectation when you're doing that. You need to be in to find ways that you can expect great things of yourself and of the people that you're around. You know, it's hard to do sometimes because we're disappointed by people that we're around, and we, we get challenged by that as well. I, I tell you a story about my brother, uh, Mike, who is, um, he was, uh, he's part of a big company in his area, and, and they had a, a fella in their business. His name is Leroy. And Leroy was a grumpy old man, and he was a pain in the drain. Does anybody know pains in the drains? Yeah, I see that hand. Is there another? Yeah, he is. He, he just, the guy was, he was, a, he was miserable to be around, and everybody knew it. And Mike, he wasn't been there very long, and he sensed it as well, and it was dragging people down. Leroy was the custodian in this, in this area where these people worked, and he would slam things around, and he wouldn't be on time, and he would, lots of things that he did. People were very frustrated, but they almost put up with him. And my brother, we were talking on the phone one day, and he was telling me about this guy. And Mike said to himself, you know something? I've been in the Word of God and wanting to be able to lead with expectation, and I just haven't expected great things from him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that this week. And so Mike went in that Monday. He got there a little bit early, knowing Leroy's going to be there doing some stuff. And Mike said to him, he said, you know something, Leroy? 
You don't know me well, but I'm Mike Wilson, and I tell you one thing. I've never seen a guy dump a cra trash can like you do. You're one of the finest trash can dumpers I've ever seen in my life. You just do it with all the greatest uh, ability. And when, you're, when you change a light bulb here, it, nobody gets it in like you do. You do such a terrific job. It illuminates my place of work. I can accomplish more because you have helped me out. And when you dust around here, that just helps us be able to breathe easier in here. And when you take care of our restrooms, I got to tell you, it's fantastic. Thank you so much, Leroy, for all you do. Patting him on the back and encouraging him. And Leroy looked at him like he was out of his mind. Well, Mike kept doing that day after day, that week. And Leroy kind of came in a little bit earlier on some days. And all of a sudden, his hair was combed a little different. And his uniform was pressed and looked a little bit better. And all of a sudden, he began smiling just a little bit more. And people began to notice, and they began to watch my brother work with him. And they began working with him differently as well. And little by little, over about a six- or seven-month period, Leroy became part of the team. And it was at that point that at a function that they had, he felt comfortable to tell the people that 25 years ago, his wife and two children were killed by a drunk driver. It was at that point that he became bitter and angry at everything. But these people had made a judgment on him, and it had carried on for 25 years in his life. And it took one person that said, I'm going to lead with expectation. I'm going to do what the Bible says to do, is to serve others, is to see what God has in my life. What's his plan for me? And my brother Mike is a true man of God when it comes to encouraging other people. And he sees what the Bible has. He knows what the plan is for him. He sets those priorities. And when you're around him, you just feel like, I'm a better person being around him. Are you leading with expectation this year? So are you getting prepared? Are you forming those goals? And are you leading with expectation? The next part of our acrostic is do you have an attitude of excellence? What's your attitude like? All of us have an attitude, don't we? <laughs> Some people go, hey, you got an attitude, you know? Yeah, we all do, but what's yours like? Are you kind of a get-by person? Are you the person that people go, well, you know, old Betty, she's awesome, but don't count on her for stuff. She just, uh, you ask her to do it, and maybe she'll get it done, and maybe she won't. Or are you the kind of person that say, you know, Betty, count on her. She'll do it, and you won't believe what you get. Because too many of us have that attitude of we'll just get by. We're just going to get by, sweep the stuff under the rug. I will guarantee you one thing, that the attitude of excellence that you will see next Sunday will be above anything you can imagine. These guys are giving everything that they have to make sure that they're doing the best that they possibly can do. They are working day after day, studying, studying, studying to make sure they have an incredible sense of excellence. I don't know if you know the name Teddy Bruschi. Does anybody know that name in here? Are you familiar with U of A football at all? 
Teddy Bruschi is a great player here. And for who? The New England Patriots. We had a championship game in New England one year with the Jets. And I knew Teddy because we, coming up through the Pac-10, we stuck together as West Coast guys, and he saw me on the game. Hey, Pastor, how you doing? Good to see you. He says, hey, I want to tell you something. He comes running over to me, and he goes, I've been studying old number 64 for the Jets. He's the right guard. He's the one guy I'm really keying on today. And I got to tell you, it's really weird. He said, I watch in every snap, when he puts three fingers on the ground, it's a running play. He's either driving forward or he's pulling, and we, we, we go with the running play. When he puts all four fingers on the ground, he drops back into a pass route formation. It's unbelievable. I've been looking at it. I thought to myself when he left, I thought, do I live my life like that? Do I live in such a way that I can, I can, it's so, it's so finely tuned for Teddy Bruschi that he can see things with that much excellence. He knows his job so well that he sees it that way. And I think to myself, wow, I need to be in God's word even more. I need to be studying more, doing more, because he's playing just a game. But I got to tell you, it really screwed up my game that, way, that day because I was watching old 64s. You got three fingers on the ground, but you got four. It didn't really matter to me, but it really blew my game. I was, all, I was so discombobulated when the Jets had the ball. I kept going, three fingers. Looks like three, but Teddy, you know, it was four. <laughs> Crazy. Still can remember it today. <laughs> Messed me up. Anyway, but I say to my, I say, what's your excellence look like? What does it look like? Are you a person that, that does everything to the best of your ability? Can we count on you? Can the Lord count on you? Terry and I taught the sixth grade Sunday school class in our church for 17 years. We had the privilege of, of watching those kids come and see the Lord in their life over those 17 years. You know, we touched the lives of so many kids, and we were so thrilled to be a part of it. One of the things we did is we'd go into the homes of our kids each and every time. And one of the girls, we went to her home, and, and uh, she was so excited. We called ahead, and she goes, Steve, Steve, and Terry, come on into my bedroom here. I'm going to show you. And so we get to go into her bedroom, the place where she spends most of her time. This is where her life really is. Well, we went into her bedroom, and it looked like Hurricane Katrina had beat us to it. And an F5 tornado had followed. And the great tsunami had come. <laughs> I think, is it clean? What, what is this place? How do you sleep, Darcy? Where do, where do you sleep? And we sat on the floor. And I looked under the bed, and there was a pizza box with pizza in it from six months ago. And I, I'm telling you all of that to say some of your bedrooms need help. Mom and Dad, how many would you say your kids need help in the bedroom? Yeah, I know you'd raise your hand, but we need help everywhere. Our garage needs help. Our kitchen needs to be arranged differently. Are we doing it with excellence, guys? Do we prove it even in our own life? Or do we just live half-heartedly? Do we just say, ah, it doesn't matter? It's just that. It speaks volumes to people. It speaks volumes to people. Do we just sing up here and just go, yeah, whatever? 
It's just a bunch of songs. Are we doing it because maybe there's one person, one person we're going to touch? Are we going to do it with excellence? My brother is an auto mechanic, and he had uh, done that for years. And whenever you were with Rob, uh, it, was, it was unique. He, has, he suffers from or, uh, agoraphobia, which is a fear of crowds. So if Rob were here, he'd have to sit near the back and probably go out once in a while just to kind of catch his breath. Some of you know people like that. They just don't feel comfortable in crowds, a little bit of anxiety, and that's the way Rob is. And so his big deal was just working with people one-on-one or with the car, just kind of dealing with the issues that surrounded the automobile. And so when you would travel with Rob, go with him wherever he was going, you always stopped for cars that were on the side of the road. That was what he did. So you never wanted to ride with Rob. You were late frequently. And I remember one time when I was with Rob, and we're driving on the freeway in our town, and uh, there's a car on the side of the road. And we're just barely going to make it to this function. So I took a deep breath, got out my cell phone, called Terry, and said, uh, I'm with Rob. She goes, you'll be late. And he hung up the phone. It's just that easy. So we... Um, we pull over, and, and uh, on the side of the road is a 1963 split pea green four-door Chevy Biscayne. Now, I never even heard of a Biscayne before. It shouldn't have been on the road. It was a bad car. And so we pull off, and Rob uh, comes out, and this, this guy comes out from under the hood, and, and kind of a scrawny guy, and pitches a cigarette down and got the scraggly hair, got the tattoos all down his arm, but I'm not judgmental. And, um, <laughs> and uh, Rob says, well, hey, friend, he said, uh, so what's the trouble? He goes, well, my car won't run. I said, there's a genius for you. You know, if it was running, you'd probably be driving, you know. So Rob said, well, let's take a look. So he starts looking around there. Well, Rob is wearing at that point a brand new NASCAR 24 car Jeff Gordon jacket. He had just won in a contest at his business. They'd sold more shock absorbers or whatever they did, and he and his team got to pick a prize, and Rob took this, it's about a $300 leather Jeff Gordon jacket. He just, just got it, just that day. So it's a little bit brisk that, a little bit later that night, and so Rob uh, sees the guy over there huddled up with a t-shirt on, and and he peels off his jacket and says, here, put this on. And so the guy says, well, this is a great jacket. This, I'm a big Jeff Gordon fan. And so he puts it on to stay warm, and Rob's looking around. And he says, well, looks like you got a bad battery cable here, sir. And I thought to myself, I go, good, we'll be out of here in a minute because nobody's got a battery cable with them. And Rob says, I think I got a battery cable in my car. <laughs> and uh, so... He uh, goes back, digs around in his tools. Sure enough, at the bottom of his tool chest, there's a battery cable. And that battery cable was made for a 1963 four-door split pea green Chevy Biscayne. Fit perfectly. Rob kind of got things all cleaned off. And he said, why don't you turn your key and see if it starts? Boom, fired right up. No big problem. Guy gets out of his car and starts to take the jacket off, and Rob says, looks at him, he says, why don't you keep that jacket? 
you know, it fits so perfectly on you. And you told me you were a Jeff Gordon fan. You said, well, this is a $300 jacket. With, and it's brand new. And Rob says, yeah, but I tell you what, you're going to look sharp to the folks because you know what? You told me you're a NASCAR fan, and I want you to have it. And so he stood there for a little bit, and he snapped it back up. He got in his car, he put it in drive, and he drove away. He didn't say thank you. He didn't say, can I pay you for the battery cable? He didn't say, can I take you to Starbucks and get you the Frappuccino, whatever? (laughs) Nothing. And I, I sat there in a state of shock. I said, Rob, you have got to be kidding me. You just gave away a jacket you got three hours ago. You were working so hard for it. I'm looking in your car. You got three other jackets in here. You could have given him one of those. And he looked up at me while he was putting his tools away. And he said, Steve, does it look like anybody has ever done anything nice for him in his life? You know, I was reading in God's word this time as what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. He said, besides, it has one of your sermon tapes in the pocket. So it's... um, Rob ministers in different ways. He has to. It's the way God built him. He built you different too. You say, I can't stand up there and preach. I can't sing. I can't really do this. But you know what? He's gifted you. He's given you some wonderful gifts. Courage, brothers. A nice smile. Maybe you can write a note. Maybe you can make a phone call. Lots of things you can do. If you'll set your priorities, lead with a sense of expectation and do it all with excellence. And finally, folks, the end, never give up. Never give up. Aren't you glad Jesus never gave up on you? He should have given up on me. If I'd have been me, I'd have given up on me. I always tell people, you're, you're grateful that I'm not Jesus. I'd probably beat the sheep. I don't think I'd feed the sheep. You know? <laughs> do better, you know, whatever. Jesus just feeds them. He encourages us. He just stands at that door knocking. I'm here. I'll be here. I'm ready to help anytime. Aren't you glad he never gave up on you? You know what? Next Sunday, those players won't give up either. They will be charging for all that they're worth to make that, that game come out into their favor. But keep in mind, folks, it's nothing but a 20-minute game. 20-minute game, and we're talking about eternity. Are you prepared? You got your goals? Your priorities in life? Are you expecting some awesome things this year? What about it? Are you doing things with excellence? Don't give up, folks. Jesus never batted a thousand either. They hung him on the cross. They nailed him to the cross. But he spoke your name. I want you. Come with me. Never give up. So don't give up on others. There'll be people that disappoint you. They'll discourage you. They'll dishearten you. But you know what? If you keep at it long enough, they'll soften up. I guarantee it. People do that. I think that I shall never see a satisfactory referee around whose head a halo shines whose judgment calls is just like mine. 
who blows his whistle as I would, and as his flag goes, I say good. Poems were made by fools like me, but only God can lesser these. Thank you very much. Thank you. Brother, love you. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.